Welcome to the Election Ride Home for Friday, February 7th, 2020. I'm your host, Glenn Fleischman, with a summary of election news. Today, new campaign narratives emerge in New Hampshire following the model in Iowa, including Shudder, the chance of a brokered convention, the eighth Democratic candidate's debate is tonight in New Hampshire, another Iowa recap, and Joe Walsh leaves the GOP primary race. It is four days until New Hampshire, 25 days until Super Tuesday, and 270 days until the general election, and here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. We are still in the middle of the fallout from Iowa, even though all but one precinct has reported in as I record this. Candidates are trying to move on from the debacle, and it's already caused repositioning and shakeout across all campaigns. I covered some of that yesterday, but it's ongoing there's a major realignment in the nomination narrative. Until Monday, the story was that Senator Bernie Sanders was a strong contender, former Vice President Joe Biden was the likely ultimate winner, Senator Elizabeth Warren had lost her edge and might be unable to regain it, Senator Amy Klobuchar was an also-ran and on her way out, and former South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg didn't have any momentum. Despite the mess in Iowa, Buttigieg coming just short of Sanders on votes, but potentially winning on state delegate equivalents, the caucus-based numbers that determine allocation of pledged national delegates, allowed him to claim a winner's mantle. Buttigieg's campaign said yesterday that it raised $2.7 million from Tuesday to Thursday on the back of this quasi-first-place finish. Biden taking fourth in Iowa was a body blow for the campaign, and media outlets rushed to post stories about how poorly the campaign had been doing, despite Biden's generally good polling. Caucuses reveal a lot about excitement because so many people are undecided going into the caucus. As messy as Iowa is and how unrepresentative, it gives you a remarkable sense of how people rally behind a candidate and shift allegiances, even though the state represents a subset of the demographics of the nation's voters. And it's a good place for a candidate to get the stuffing knocked out of them because they need to be able to recover from that and move on. A candidate who can't get over Iowa or New Hampshire is seen as being unable to compete in the general election. And those non-representative losses can lead to their ultimate defeat before July for the nomination. Sanders, meanwhile, bided his time to declare victory, but it didn't seem to hurt him. In New Hampshire yesterday evening, he said this. Last I heard in Manchester, New Hampshire today, holding a press conference that should have occurred three nights ago in Des Moines, Iowa. But for the inability of the Iowa Democratic Party to count votes in a timely fashion. That screw up has been extremely unfair to the people of Iowa. It has been unfair to the candidates, all of the candidates and all of their supporters. So what I want to do today, three days late, is to thank the people of Iowa for the very strong victory they gave us at the Iowa caucuses on Monday night. Even though the vote tabulations have been extremely slow, we are now at a point with some 97% of the precincts reporting where our campaign is winning the popular initial vote by some 6,000 votes. In other words, some 6,000 more Iowans came out on caucus night to support our candidacy than the candidacy of anyone else. 
An hour later, in the same town hall venue, Buttigieg said, That's fantastic news to hear that we won. Senator Sanders clearly had a great night too, and I congratulate him and his supporters, end quote. Sanders, on Friday morning, said of the former mayor's association with rich fundraisers and acquaintances, quote, I like Pete Buttigieg, nice guy, but we are in a moment where billionaires control not only our economy, but our political life, end quote. By the way, Sanders keeps citing votes in the first alignment in Iowa, or how voters organized themselves on first arriving at the caucuses. Those candidates who had 15% or greater support among those present had their votes locked in. In that round, he led by 6,000, and that's the number he keeps using. But the final alignment is after supporters of non-viable candidates reorganize. Buttigieg picked up about 6,000 votes from Biden and other candidates further down the tally, like billionaire Tom Steyer, and Sanders grew by about 2,500. But we should be focused on New Hampshire, right? The 538 poll tracker currently shows the New Hampshire lineup like this. Sanders, 26.4%, Buttigieg, 19.1%, Biden, 13.1%, Warren, 12.5%, Klobuchar, 8.1%. Polls from this week show significant movement up for Buttigieg and down for Biden. Warren has had a slight decline in recent weeks after being on top in October. Klobuchar, even at 8.1%, has nearly tripled her aggregate polling from just a few weeks ago. Nationally, we're still seeing a mix of Biden and Sanders on top, though mostly Biden. However, this is typically well within the margins of error. Biden is likely to pick up South Carolina unless he sees a precipitous decline. The latest polls from that state show him well in advance of other candidates. Later in the town hall that I just played a clip from of Sanders, he disagreed when asked if he were the frontrunner. He said no. Warren has to dig herself out of a narrative hole. She will not pick up a first or second in New Hampshire almost certainly. She might come in third, possibly fourth. Again, we all tend to focus too much on early states but she lost the thread that led to a lot of coverage showing her in ascendance as the summer progressed. The biggest story late this week around Warren was her apology yesterday to the women of color who had left her Nevada campaign office. She apologized because of treatment that they say they received while working on her campaign. This apology came Thursday afternoon following a political report about the departures. I believe these women completely and without reservation, and uh, I apologize that they have had a bad experience on this campaign. That's not really the lead story you want to have about you in New Hampshire. Biden also has to find a new story, and he may step up his attacks on other candidates. On Wednesday, he said that Sanders' self-identification as a Democratic Socialist was hurting the party, and he also said of Buttigieg, he has never held an office higher than mayor of a town of 100,000 people in Indiana. Klobuchar is still fighting, but as the clock ticks, I don't think she's ignited enough people in key states or nationally and hasn't found a way to break out from fifth place. The most frightening thing I read today was at 538 in its current probabilities for who will win the Democratic presidential nomination. Sanders now has a 45% chance in their calculations, a 25% leap over just a couple weeks ago. Biden dropped from around 40% to 20%. Neither of those changes are scary. I'm not making any judgments about the, the candidates at all here. Those are just changes. Here's the part that got me. The number two potential winner is nobody. The chance of a brokered convention is now 25% in 538's calculations. Entering the July convention, no one candidate would have the necessary delegates to win outright. Now that's terrifying. If the chance of a brokered convention continues to remain high, I'm sure we will be talking more and more about it as the weeks and months proceed.
The Election Ride Home is brought to you by Plexiderm. Imagine this Valentine's Day story is you. You're parked outside the restaurant where you're meeting your date in 10 minutes. Glancing in the mirror, you notice your wrinkles and large under-eye bags. You rummage through your bag, thinking, where's your secret weapon? And there it is, Plexiderm. You apply the clear serum under your eyes and, boom, two minutes later, you start seeing the under-eye bags and wrinkles disappearing in front of your eyes. You'll look years younger. Plexiderm is the clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in minutes. It's the Valentine's Day gift you give yourself. Go to TryPlexiderm.com and enter Voices for 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. Again, enter Voices at TryPlexiderm.com to get 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mention code VOICES. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee, so to get my special discount, enter VOICES at TryPlexiderm.com. Deborah's home was stolen. No, I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls title theft one of the fastest-growing white-collar crimes. And this story is why you need Home Title Lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned our home. Wait, it gets worse. Deborah goes on to say, I was evicted from my own home and 85 grand in equity gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. This is why you need Home Title Lock, because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if your home's title has been tampered with. You need to protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. Go to HomeTitleLock.com now for 60 risk-free days of protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. Klobuchar qualified on polls and donors for the 8th Democratic National Committee debate, which starts at 8 p.m. Eastern tonight, 5 p.m. Pacific, and lasts three hours. George Stephanopoulos, David Muir, and Lindsay Davis of ABC, and Adam Sexton and Monica Hernandez of WMUR will moderate. The event is also co-hosted by Apple News, which accepted potential questions for the debate via that app. You have many ways to watch tonight's debate. It will be broadcast live on ABC, which you can watch on cable, satellite, and over the air for free, or any of the subscription packages that include an ABC channel. You can also watch it free on ABC.com, ABC News apps, channels for ABC, like on YouTube. There's no sign-in required during the debate. Sling TV is also offering free streaming of the debate through its free tier, which you can use with Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Android, or at watch.sling.com, among other places. Other streaming devices that feature ABC will also be unlocking the debate if you don't subscribe to an ABC channel. Just by the way, if you're a cord cutter and want to be able to record over-the-air broadcasts of this and other events coming up in the political season, I suggest looking into an HD Home Run. It's a networked TV tuner that requires just an indoor or roof antenna, for digitally tuning multiple simultaneous free over-the-air channels. You can tune them through a TV set. My Samsung works with it directly. Or you can use a local digital video recorder, either one that's built into the box or an external one, or Plex TV service, which is what I use. Now, I'd mentioned in the last few days that it was possible House member Tulsi Gabbard could qualify for tonight's debate. Now, she didn't get the polling figures necessary by yesterday, so the debate lineup is seven people. That's Biden, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, Sanders, Steyer, 
Warren, and entrepreneur Andrew Yang. The ninth debate lineup could be the same plus Bloomberg if Yang and Bloomberg meet polling thresholds, which remains possible for both. We will never leave Iowa. We have always lived in Iowa. We're never moving on from Iowa. Let's review the latest about Iowa. Probably, almost certainly, for the last time, well, at least until Monday when we have the maybe last information about this. On Thursday, all but one precinct had been reported out by the Iowa Democratic Party, and Democratic National Committee Chair Tom Perez called for a re-canvas in which the math would be checked on tally sheets. As I noted yesterday, he tweeted in part, quote, I am calling on the Iowa Democratic Party to immediately begin a re-canvas, end quote. And then he didn't. Ten hours later, he told Rachel Maddow on MSNBC that he was referring to specific precincts in which issues were raised about accuracy. He said, quote, assuming no candidate files a request, it will be surgical, surgical, because we want to make sure if somebody raises a question, we have an opportunity to answer that question, end quote. What the DNC chair says matters. Even though the Iowa caucuses were run by the state party, there's a pervasive feeling among some reasonable percentage of Sanders supporters that the DNC will try to keep Sanders from achieving the nomination. In 2016, there is some evidence that came from the Russian hack of DNC emails that the party engaged in some behavior to English the nomination toward former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. An intriguing Vox political and data analysis from 2017, however, concludes that the Democratic donors and movers and shakers pushed out a ton of long-term Democrats from the primaries, giving Sanders an unoccupied path to challenge Clinton. That explanation holds water, given the huge number of candidates who entered the field for the 2020 Democratic presidential nomination when there was no anointed candidate. But a lot more points of view were represented this time around than in 2016. Regardless of your opinion or what the data shows for what happened in 2016, there are sore feelings on the Sanders side, on the campaign side and among supporters. The failure of the Iowa Democratic Party to produce a clear result and the ongoing reporting on obvious errors seen on tally sheets doesn't help the idea that it's been fair. Though, with Sanders clearly ahead in votes and errors seemingly random instead of favoring other candidates, it's still easy enough to chalk it up to mismanagement and incompetence. So, back to Iowa. We've never left Iowa. We're never leaving Iowa. The Associated Press said it was unable to declare a winner, but it has now provided its analysis of the breakdown of the 41 national pledged delegates to be assigned out of the state. That stands as Buttigieg at 13, Sanders at 12, Warren at 8, Biden at 6, and Klobuchar with 1. The AP's analysis doesn't include one unassigned delegate, and that could even up the count between Buttigieg and Sanders. So here's the thing. Sanders leads Buttigieg by over 2,500 raw votes, but he has 562 statewide delegate equivalents, or SDEs, which are awarded by caucus and precinct, not by votes, to Buttigieg's 564. So Buttigieg, with two more, may win the math to get one more full national delegate, or when the final count comes in, they may be so closely placed that each of them get 13 instead of Buttigieg getting 13 and Sanders 12. By the way, if Klobuchar hadn't met the polling threshold for tonight's debate, it could have been very awkward indeed for the DNC because the results aren't final in Iowa. Candidates only needed a single delegate to win a place on stage at this or the ninth debate in Las Vegas, and that delegate can come from Iowa or New Hampshire. Now, if Klobuchar hadn't hit the threshold and the delegate hadn't yet really been officially awarded, I'm not sure what would have happened, but it could have been devastating to any future potential she'd have had to stay in the race. The DNC was able to sidestep that one. 
Now, remember, the candidate needs 1,990 delegates to win the nomination, and only 41 so far have been, well, not quite yet, decided on. Former House member Joe Walsh has withdrawn from the Republican primary. Walsh was elected in the Tea Party wave a decade ago and served one term. He became a prominent right-wing talk show host and spread the myth that former President Barack Obama was Muslim. While initially a fervent Trump supporter, over time Walsh increasingly broke with the president. He has apologized for any effort he put in to help elect Trump. He entered as a 2020 Republican primary challenger in a quixotic attempt to provide an alternative, as did moderate former governor of Massachusetts Bill Weld. Walsh and Weld received about 1% of the Republican caucuses in Iowa this week. Walsh said in a CNN interview today, quote, I thought it was really important that there was a Republican, a Republican, out there every day calling out this president for how unfit he is. I want to stop Trump. I believe he's a threat to this country, end quote. The interviewer asked him if he would support a Democrat, quote, any Democrat. Donald Trump is a dictator or a king. He literally is the greatest threat to this country right now. Any Democrat will be better than Trump in the White House, end quote. Interestingly, Walsh's campaign did attract one prominent supporter, that's conservative lawyer George Conway, who contributed to the campaign and provided informal advice. Conway, of course, is married to Kellyanne Conway, the president's close advisor. And that's the election roundup for today. I'm your host, Glenn Fleischman. You can find this podcast on Twitter at Election Podcast. You can also find it on Facebook at facebook.com slash election ride home. If you so chose, you might find me on Twitter as well. I am Glenn F there. That's G-L-E-N-N-F like Frank, where you can often see pictures of type artifacts that are part of my Tiny Type Museum project, which you can learn more about at tinytypemuseum.com. I will be back in again on Monday for the next election update. Thank you for listening and have a pleasant rest of your day. Thank you.